Man, I need I need some chair upgrade shit. I don't have I don't have a good chair. I like got my very pretty chairs. <laughs> my got very this pretty chair. You're literally I'm sitting nice. in a chair while you say that. <laughs> <laughs> my nice thirty-two inch. Mm. You have a thirty-two inch chair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's cock, but yes, chair. Oh, a 32-inch cock. Man, I'm glad to know that the jokes have massively upgraded in quality since last week. <laughs> you know, if you wanted to listen to a good podcast, then, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't come to us. If you wanted to listen to the truth about Parker's 32-inch dick, you come here. <laughs> yeah, do you think NPR, like, doesn't make dick jokes? Why do you think they just suck? <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> you know they're lying to you because they're not talking about the fact there yeah. are thirty two inch dicks. And not that means all things. Yeah. They're not like I don't know. An all sides uh, argument. <laughs> you got tons of NPR podcast names, I think it's the only <laughs> one I can think of. All dicks considered would be a, a podcast I would listen to. <laughs> <laughs> This American. We were listening day. to what? Come Town? Is that <laughs> shout out to Come Town? Oh, Come Town's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. We do need. I don't know. I feel like America needs more podcasts with offensive names. Uh, Adam's out this week. We can call it a coup and rename the show something okay. more I offensive. Mean, we've had multiple coups and they haven't been any more successful. But. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't have much faith in this one. <laughs> no, this one's gonna work. This time, I'm gonna actually tell people to mail shit to the Oklahoman, and he's not gonna get mad. <laughs> That's right, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> just due to your inability to cut anything out and just post it as is. <laughs> exclusively. Yeah, that's true. He did have a moment in last week's... Yeah, where he said that. He was like, I'm gonna cut this. And I was listening to the show as like a... Like a did, I, did I say anything really bad? And then I realized he said, I'm gonna cut this. <laughs> it was in the fucking show. Uh. <laughs> that well, it's like crossing out. It's like drawing a line through something on the essay portions of tests. It legally doesn't count if you say <laughs> omit this part from the podcast. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna do another nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> the detail uh, where the bodies the, are. Like the government my, hears uh... it, but then they're like, ah, well, he said he was gonna cut it. It's not admissible. Doesn't count. Not in the Patriot Act. They shouldn't get yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> this is who knows how many fucking you know terrorists are taking the AP English exam in the page it just says unless they say not at the end of it <laughs> <laughs> it was written in 2003 so 2001. that would be well that's actually why Borat has that scene where he learns not jokes because it's <laughs> such a biting critique of, of post 9-11 American society and he was like well it's the Patriot Act um. <laughs> uh, so here's a, here's a movie y'all both need to watch um, Four Lions if you haven't seen it, is hilarious. Isn't that about, like, the, the, like, four British guys that, like, join ISIS or some bullshit? Yeah, no, oh it's God, four... Sorry, I'm already interested. <laughs> it's, uh, four, like, pale sun jihadis in London, or in, like, the London suburbs who try... Like, I mean, they're just trying to do a successful act of terror... <laughs> It's like two of them get sent to a training camp in Pakistan and get kicked out when they accidentally alert their camp's position to a drone. There's like one dude who's like, Oi, here's what we need to do. We bomb a mosque. 
we got to radicalize the moderates. So we bomb a mosque. <laughs> they, they wouldn't know it's us. No one would ever suspect some radical Islamists to bomb a mosque. <laughs> and they, like, try and bomb the London Marathon, and they're all wearing giant mascot suits to hide the bomb vests they have on. <laughs> That's... Sounds like something we should it's, endorse. It's like if Monty Python did a ISIS Jihadist. training video. Yeah, a jihadi. <laughs> okay, oh, money, every no, Monty Python Flying Circus episode is uh, a jihadi <laughs> training video because it just melts your brain. Like a Which is understandable. Now, I, I, that kind of reminds me of something where, I don't even remember where I heard it, um, but it was some comedian who was on another podcast and told a joke um that's like i could never like imagine like what if you know uh, it like infidels came over to you know you know because there's all these news stories or like right-wing garbage that talk about how there's infidels planted in the united states just ready to go you know as scare tactics or whatever and he was like if i were actually one of them i think i'd just get too in love with american culture over here <laughs> and be like a sleeper be like a sleeper unit and be like, he'd be like, uh, are you ready to, uh, are you ready to kill the, the infidels? And be like, um, well, bro, Game of Thrones just started back up. <laughs> have, have y'all heard of the Dairy Queen, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the they bomb. would be like, there's porn on the internet here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out in the park chasing Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone made the infidel incel link there? That might be something to report to Homeland Security. I think a lot of people keep reporting uh, incels to Homeland Security, and Homeland Security is like, but they're white people, they're not terrorists. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, but they haven't fucked, so. (laughs) That's true. That would be like a good... We don't endorse recruiting tactics of radical extremists, by the way. Everyone listening, but that would be a good recruiting tactic. Oh, are we recording now? <laughs> We've been recording the whole time. We're all going okay. to prison. <laughs> cool. I had to get those dick jacks in. Um... Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned. Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong. Way down yonder in the Indian nation, ride my pony on the reservation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Now way down yonder in the Indian nation, the cowboy's life is my occupation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Hi, everybody. I'm Carl Roberts, and this week we've got Parker Nelson and Stephen Lastman in the massive red star floating over Oklahoma that is our podcast. Um, uh, You all know we're a small political news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma. Since Parker already gave a shout out to all of the moms listening, um, (laughs) we, 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 we did our just dues. On that, uh, Adam is out this week because he's actually celebrating Mother's Day and doesn't live. Uh, I guess he has to drive home to his parents. We don't. None of us. I can't none do of, that. Uh, yeah, none of us I, live in the same states as our parents. So. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to moms, though. Um, 
But let's just let's let's get into it. We've got one big national news story for everybody this week, uh, and I think everyone knows what the news story is. Uh, it's pretty obvious, and it's that we Kanye's just... tweets. <laughs> Kanye watched your white people got mad about it, and now is a conservative. Actually, um, <laughs> now now he wants to start World War Three by uh, bombing Iran. But that's the the big story we're going to talk about, and that's Trump leaving the Iran nuclear deal. And so, but, but before we like actually get into it, I just kind of want to explain what the Iran nuclear deal was. Um, what well, is? It's still not clear how it's going to play out. Um, it was this agreement that they started uh, negotiating between Iran, uh, the five countries with uh, the veto on the Security Council in the UN. So that's the U.S., France, the U.K., Russia, China, and Germany, as well as the EU. And the idea was to get Iran back into the global economy and to assure that Iran couldn't get a nuclear bomb. Because Iran in the early 2000s had been maybe, had been, had a secret uh, nuclear facility. Um, it wasn't necessarily so clear if they were going to use that for nukes, but it was something that could have been used for nukes in the international community. Was secret, like, I got a nuke bomb. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the, the whole idea was that after we had put a bunch of sanctions on them under Premier Bush in the early 2000s, that we would end those sanctions and get Iran back to the to the negotiating table and then come up with a, a plan for moving forward. Um, and most of what that involved was letting European, Russian, and Chinese companies reopen business with Iran and not have to face U.S. sanctions for doing that. And Donald Trump has decided he should pee on it like it's a bed the Obama slept in in Moscow. And now the whole deal has collapsed and no one knows what's going to happen. Um, this is a really big deal because this was kind of like a linchpin for <laughs> security in the Middle East. Um, it's been all the news in Europe right now. It's literally sucked up every single inch of coverage that every newspaper has. Um, and it's, it's really kind of terrifying um, because the U.S., by itself is able to just end unilaterally something that was really the greatest political achievement in international relations of like the early 21st century. Um, One of the only ones, to be fair. See, what's terrifying is, <clears throat> I mean, just from what I've seen on various televisions playing the news, I've seen hardly anything about it here. That's terrifying. That's utterly terrifying. Yeah, like, outside of the accounts that I follow, I've, they've done, like, a couple minutes on it, on just, like, the hour news on, I think it was uh, MSNBC that I was watching. And yeah, I was, like, just in front of it, so I watched, like, most of the broadcast, and they did maybe two minutes on it. And I was like, oh, yeah, and we uh, pulled out of the Iran deal that Obama did. Remember this thing? We not. Anyway... But yeah. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's utterly terrifying. Um, because it really was. It was like you know, it, it was a situation. Hassan Rouhani, the current president of Iran, got elected specifically to do this to end the sanctions because it, normal every everyday Iranians were just getting screwed deeply 
by the sanction regime with utterly no effect on Iran's nuclear program. Um, I, so Masha is actually writing her master's thesis on, on the nuclear deal, and so we've been like watching a bunch of news about it and reading about it. Why isn't she on the podcast? What the fuck? Um, <laughs> uh, I extended the offer. We, we both agreed that uh, she, she would instead provide me with some reading and so on. Um, I'd, really, I'd much rather hear Masha angrily rant about the, around the nuclear deal, but that's just me. Yeah, she, yeah she, this she, podcast is more important than her uh, thesis paper, so... <laughs> yeah, um, use us? Yeah, I, priorities I, I laid out all these arguments, you know, I told her all of this, and, you know... I appreciate you adequately respecting, like, representing us, though, thank you. <laughs> um, but what... Like, the, the real hair-pulling thing is that one of the, the lead negotiators uh from the iranian side got interviewed on al jazeera and he was like you know everybody thinks that the sanctions are what stopped iran from doing nuclear stuff and he was like look at look at the timeline of the sanctions before the iran nuclear deal what you see is something really straightforward right before u.s sanctions went into effect and before sanctions from other countries as well because it was a pretty concerted effort Iran really didn't have, like, a nuclear weapons program. And by 2013, when they started negotiating and Iran put a halt to everything, Iran had massively expanded its nuclear program. And, I mean, of course, they said the whole time it's just for peaceful purposes, blah, blah, blah. But well, they, it's because they know the same thing that North Korea does, which is the only way to protect yourself from America invading you is to have a bomb. Yeah. Um, I was... Bullshit is it weird on. that I'm starting to empathize with that sentiment more and more? Like, it's not, it's definitely not good to go nuclear, but, like, understand that there's really no way that America won't some way fuck with your country unless you have one of them. It makes sense. I mean, and, just, like, just think about what North Korea regularly does. Like, like the, the, the Kim regime regularly shoots missiles over close U.S. allies and U.S. military bases, and we don't do anything about it because we can't, because they will use a nuke if we do that. It, yeah. I mean, it works. It is terrible to say. It's, it's utterly terrible to say, but it works. And if you look at the other example, Libya, what happens when you agree with the West to give up your chemical weapons or your, or your weapons of mass destruction program of whatever kind, you end up getting stabbed to death in the asshole on video and have somebody like, you know, leading U.S. politicians say, ha ha ha, we fucking killed the motherfucker. Well, Libya is a great example because, I mean, just like the Iran deal, it has, our sentiments towards Libya have completely flip-flopped based on who is in charge of the country. You had, you know, Reagan declaring him to be the most, you know, the, the most horrifying person in the entire Middle East. And then we tried to completely switch that narrative once, uh, we needed an ally there after 2003 when all of our invasions went tits up and so we had to start pretending like oh he's been our friend all along look at how much we love Muammar Gaddafi and you know he sent love letters to Condoleezza Rice and everything and then come Obama administration Arab springtime once again we just turned on him and it's and, and it's bad for the it's it, <laughs> like he would still be here and no matter how bad Muammar Gaddafi is or was, rather, or how bad Kim Jong-un is, it's a very rational decision. And what Donald Trump has done has just proven the logic of the decision to develop serious, you know, ex weapons used exclusively for extermination because it's the biggest safeguard you get. 
And that's what's so ironic now, I think, about all these fucking chuds saying, oh, Donald Trump deserves a fucking peace treaty. He deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. Like, Obama did okay, not deserve would, one. But That would be hilarious it, if Trump got a peace prize. It would be I hilarious. Mean, I think it would, like, officially got any legitimacy that award ever has, ever. That award lost all legitimacy when Henry Kissinger got a peace prize. Yeah. I yes, you're not wrong. A, a literal. <laughs> war I mean, why not go further down the like you know? In, in, in you haven't hit rock bottom yet. <laughs> I think it was Tom Lehrer, the old uh, musical comedian, politician or political guy, who said that irony died the day that Kissinger got a Peace Prize. Which is true. And um, <laughs> yeah, now we live in the world without irony, where Donald Trump is our president. <laughs> But I also think, I think one of the important... Painful coincidence. Like, Thank you, Alonis Brissett. There are two important things, I think, to understand about the Iran deal that actually kind of tie into Henry Kissinger in a way and into that, like, how switchable U.S. foreign policy can be. Um, mm-hmm. And the first is that for all the, the amazingness of the Iran deal, oh, it's, it was toted as, like, this biggest deal ever and it was it genuinely was i meant that when i said it earlier no, it was episode. it was a um, significant like one of the few things that obama was actually like made major major progress on yeah it, it was something i always said was the only thing i think that obama actually did well um and and the thing is obama didn't do it well because it wasn't safeguarded. Either. Yeah, it wasn't safeguarded as, as a law, as a treaty signed by the Senate, so that Trump couldn't just decide to leave. Um, and what that means is, is, like we see with so many things, where the imperial presidency that, that governs by executive order and, and using the space of the Constitution to get around the legislature creates a situation where it's... It's not just that you can't trust the U.S. government, it's that the U.S. government is, like, structured in a way that's not trustable anymore, because you can't get that kind of legislation passed. And the other thing... Yeah, no, I mean, it, it does just become, yeah, executive order switching. Nothing ever gets approved or passed or anything. It's just executive orders switching from administration to administration. And, I mean, that's part of the problem with the Democrats now, is that they're not having a full approach to anything Trump does because they want those exact same powers once they take back the White House. Yeah, and it's also why Obama didn't do a lot to, to try and reduce his power because it makes sense. It's like, oh, if you think the Democrats are going to win forever because you're a boneheaded idiot that doesn't understand how shitty American capitalism is for the overwhelming oh. majority of people in this country, you, you're going to think that you can just coast into the presidency every single time and not have to worry about Donald Trump getting... A massively built-up, repressive state regime, a military that is so bloated and and filled with shit that it would be like the best YouTube like puss video, you know, where you, like people pop pimples <laughs> if we if we finally deflated it. Um, I mean, yeah, he inherited our national <clears throat> security state. He inherited our huge military-industrial complex that's been building since two thousand one, and it's. You know, certainly he's done plenty of harm himself, but we gave him the tools to really pull that off long before Trump's presidency was ever a possibility. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and I mean, it was built up by the right wing themselves, and then Obama was like, you know, I kind of like this. Look yeah, at all these cool it. drones, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We, we got the deportation of a bunch of immigrants, you know, let's, let's do a bunch of shit. 
And the other well, important thing, I think, and how it ties into Henry Kissinger, is that when Obama came in, and this is something that you also see with Gina Haspel, but most importantly, in this instance, with John Bolton, there was just a, you know, the past is in the past, we're not going to talk about it, we're going to move forward and not look at, at, at the crimes America has done in the past. And an important thing with the U.S. leaving the Iran deal is 100% that the animal that is John Bolton, the rabid dog, who needs to be put down, you know, and metaphorically speaking, I am not advocating for the assassination of someone in the U.S. government. Um, he, he should have, for his role in Iraq, been put in jail or sent to The Hague. That is 100% a thing that should have happened. And because we didn't do that, because the U.S. refuses to accept the legitimacy of The Hague as an institution... You can have this guy who we know lied about the buildup to the war in Iraq in 2003, about the intelligence he had, who actively misrepresented it to go to war with Iraq. We have him not only free to be on television, not only free to spew his lies, get paid by the MEK offensive amounts of money to say that the U.S. government needs to change its policy to regime change in Iran, but to actually get put in the White House in a serious position of power when he should be rotting in some cell in the Netherlands. Also, they talk about forgetting that history, the, the history that we have. The Iraq War isn't history. We're still in the Iraq War. Yeah. Like, that is still, <laughs> I mean, if you could even... Like, just that's the not whole, even history. That's the lesson. <laughs> we need to forget the about whole, all of these wars in the present to focus on more future wars while we also keep doing the present wars. I mean, literally, American history since Vietnam has been nothing but a shit show and sweeping things under the rug. So, I mean, it's been a pretty par for the course when it comes to those types of uh, militaristic involvements, but yeah, I mean, it, it, to me it just doesn't really seem like the American, I mean, they obviously have to have some sort of goal or initiative, but like in terms of American foreign policy moving from one sector of the, the world to the next, just kind of doing whatever they want without any sort of historicity or accountability or... Basic you know? understanding of what's going on. I mean, well, just like <clears throat> plans or goals or future orientedness, like especially, I mean, it probably comes down to these fucking seven year old war hawks in the goddamn, you know, that do half of the lobbying for them, either in the cabinet, members of the executive, or whatever, that, as well as these sort of jackasses that you're talking about that deserve to be rotting in cells, you know, similar well, types of, I mean, similar American, types of organs. American foreign policy since the Vietnam War has always implicitly been just make sure no country ever becomes stable enough in, to become a regional power. Well, and and it, it, just, like, never never let any, like, government that doesn't completely capitulate to our demands become stable or in any way, like, able to fend for itself. But that's such an important part of why we left the Iran deal as well, because Iran with the war in Syria, has been supporting a brutal dictator and has really been moving up the, the ranks as, as a regional power. And as well, their support for the, the, the Houthis in Yemen, even though the Houthis are very much not Iranian puppets by any stretch of the imagination, um, they've started to challenge the, the, the hegemonic structure of the region, which is a, a mainly Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Israel, this triangle that... Well, and that's... That threatens our, you know, our two puppets, uh, Saudi Arabia and Israel, from, like, 
the one power starting to amass some sort of clout in the region that we don't basically like have massive arms deals with. Yeah. And and one of the most important things I think about us going out is that it set the stage for Israel to bomb the parts of Syria it's not illegally occupying and claim it was bombing Iranian positions and really honestly oh, yeah. no, they like did that in no time they took no time in starting to <clears throat> let the bombs fly and and this is a country that is not a, a, a signatory to the nu- nuclear non-proliferation treaty this is a country that we know has nuclear weapons and this is a country that we know does not let the international community have any say or control over the kind of inter- nuclear weapons it has and we're coming out on the side of this country in a fight with another country <laughs> yeah of course but it's just the That's hypocrisy exactly. is so rank and with how we've set up this kind of narrative around the iran deal it's basically the only way that the u.s will be happy is not if iran gives up its weapons is not if not even gives because it doesn't have weapons if iran just totally gives up using nuclear energy or or like uh nuclear medicine or something if iran literally gets a different government that's the only thing that we've set up as as a way out for iran and obviously they're not going to do that and so you can have a country like israel bombing from uh, illegally occupied territory iranian positions and bringing us massively closer to to some kind of disgusting third world war that will just kill millions of people i mean a million people died in iraq when we invaded and how is that going to be any different if we invade iran and and how is the you know i don't see any way that the administration is setting this up other than that that's going to be the logical thing to do next. And it's, it's no, really they're terrifying. Bill, they're billing it as an inevitability. I mean, we have been surrounding Iran with military bases since the 80s or 90s, at least. Um, and have just built up a presence on both sides of their border in Afghanistan and Iran, or in Iraq. And, I mean, yeah, we've been gearing up for this for decades now and we've been there's been a consistent anti-iran narrative going on in this country for such a long time and i don't know maybe now will be the time that we finally do it maybe it will happen four years down the line but yeah i mean this has always been a long-term implicit plan in the u.s government because we hate the fact that they're establishing any sort of significance in the region we hate the fact that they're developing or were developed like long ago like it's it's a very advanced, like, established country, but they don't, they can get along without us and have gotten along without us and have a government that doesn't always want to work with us and that just can't stand. Yeah, we just can't deal with that. And that's, I mean, that's the, the biggest problem is that, for me, the U.S. does occupy such a hegemonic position in the global world order that no matter what, the EU, no matter what Russia, no matter what China does, we will be able to kill this deal single-handedly by putting sanctions, secondary sanctions, on countries that do business with Iran and do business in the U.S. And so, like, when I said it's all over the European news, um, like, the top-of-the-fold front-page article for one of Germany's papers of record is exclusively about this, and it's just got the numbers. And the numbers in terms of business the U.S. does with the EU is something like $755 million, billion in trade in 2017 versus um, 
EU and Iran trade worth $25 billion. And, and so no matter what happens, nobody's going to be able to save this deal from Trump. And we're going to be in a position where the hardliners in Iran get to say, look, this insane madman wants to murder all of us. So we obviously do need to start a nuclear program because we, we watched, we literally saw the video of what happens to Gaddafi. And then John Bolton is going to have proof because they're burning American flags in Parliament, which they didn't even do a good job of. They like had trouble lighting paper on fire, which would tell you everything I you know, need to know man. about the threat Iran actually presents to America. Um, there, but there, I mean, it's also getting to a point where I think we're... I mean, either recognizing or attempting to do this because of how insanely wing the country and the military to become it's built up our military so much that we're at the point where we're even like, like we're pissing off our European allies to the point where Merkel said like we may have to learn how to live without American trade or something along those lines, or like without a lot of dealing to America. We're like kind of starting to shut off the rest of the world either because we're powerful enough that we don't want anyone limiting us or because we just don't realize how te how terrible that is foreign policy wise to just I mean you literally have a government ran by a bunch of adolescents in terms of how it is that they treat the rest of the world and that's like not only utterly ridiculous but I, without like actually having any type of even meaningful discussion discourse conversation about the implications of this types of behavior like it, it, it's just such a parody for american politics to even like i mean one for the for the entire world to take us seriously at all and like for how we bicker internally but also like this sort of just uh, outward hegemonic like big stick approach that we haven't backed down with since world war ii is just like it's got to like break at some point and i mean it i definitely think it is coming to a head well, well yeah we we yeah. kept the arms race going after the soviet union collapsed we just said well let's keep going until we have more arms than everyone else then no one can tell us what to do we never have to agree with anyone we can do whatever we want and not face consequences if we are bigger than all the militaries which is essentially the mentality that you get from having the largest military in the world like 10 times over. If you, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yep. You just stop dealing in foreign policy. You only deal in war when that's the only instrument that you have anymore. And, I mean, I, I, I think that's the thing, is, is it is, it, this kind of right-wing horseshit is, is, and I have mixed feelings, and I think everybody should have mixed feelings about this, because who is going to fill the gap? But... This is like the kind of stuff that starts the end of American hegemony because China, for example, has said we will buy all the oil that was supposed to go on the world market that's not going to be able to go on the world world market anymore. And the yeah, EU, I mean, like we should people have been preaching the end of American power. hegemony for so long, my dude. But uh, or like threats to American <clears throat> hegemony, and I mean, using those as like political incentives to get particular things done. But I, I'm well, I mean, that's I'm not just... so sure. America's been resilient. It's Buck, yeah, but what what I don't necessarily mean to say is that it's going to happen. It's just that these kind of people that have like such massive, you know, boners for American hegemony do the kind of stuff that that starts to convince Europe that maybe it needs to be an actual organization that can that can try to order the world how it wants to, and convinces China that maybe just dicking around at home isn't going to be good enough, and they need to start projecting power and start trying to control countries around the world to defend their own interests. And, I mean, and, in a sense, the Chinese are already practicing sort of 
economic colonialism with all their infrastructure projects in Africa. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's precisely the kind of thing that this kind of right-wing thinking in the U.S., and to some extent also, you know, very much centrist thinking, where it is like we can use the military to do anything and we don't have to respect anything that happens internationally because fuck you, we'll just do whatever the fuck we want. Or take responsibility for anything that happens internationally. Like, it's even just baseline bullshit. Like, literally, it's just, I I am an eight-year-old United States federal government and don't have the propensity, ability, nor requirement to take responsibility for anything. It's we're actually that baby in Miyazaki's spirited away that just like wants to eat all the (laughs) fucking food and like smash your shit all the time and everybody's like I fucking hate you baby but I can't do anything about it because you're a giant yeah Yeah, exactly basically spot on (laughs) that's literally who our president is the baby who just eats things and smashes stuff and shits his pants (laughs) yep well on on that note let's move home to the 46th state we got some cool stuff. Um, Parker, you got a story for us? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, so, the basically, um, the state government decided uh, it should start spending money, um, like uh, auditing, a, or will give at the very least a bunch of power to um, this um, nonpartisan agency, quote unquote, that was handpicked by Mary Fallon and one of you know the majority members of of the Oklahoma Oklahoma House, and they're supposed to be doing some auditing of major state agencies uh, to basically uh, control, quote unquote, way. And I don't know what it is about Republicans or right wingers that are just like obsessed with the concept of waste, right? It's like they don't have the ability to conceive that costs increase or that, you know, you might need to increase funding along with things like inflation, and they're just like, no, no, something has to be getting wasted. We need to figure this out. And you know who can figure this out the best? Business leaders. Let's make a coalition of nine of them that can then go through and audit these major agencies and also submit like uh, like audit them to the point where they're like the agencies are required to submit cost cost cutting like strategies when it's supposed to be an audit to see if there's any waste to begin with in the first place and just having that sort of like just just to begin the story having that sort of like mental at, like like that, that sort of direction to it initially is just absolutely ridiculous so I, I mean, basically I think... <clears throat> what waste usually means is who is, who can we fire that's usually what cutting waste means. Yeah. Well, when it comes to the business leaders who are overseeing this. I, what's so crazy to me about this, right? This, this group is called the Agency Performance and Accountability Commission. And it's what you said, Parker, that they can actually say they're going to be doing reports on if agencies are following through. And the agencies have to do what they say. And it's set out to be cost cutting. And we had previously. Um, uh, uh, a group that was a commission set out to look at if tax breaks actually bring money into Oklahoma and are like overall good for for the state. And well, we definitely they, talked about that on the show. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that a lot. We've talked about it multiple times um, in relation to the uh, uh, capital gains tax exemption. And that org that organization that was like this is not bringing us any money and it's costing the state government multiple millions of do- like hundreds of millions of dollars a year. That commission didn't have the right to tell people what to do. And so we have this commission that's set up 
by private business people who are doing who are going to hire a firm trying to make a profit to find out where we're wasting money in the government that's going to look and, and, you know and 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 that then these people have to cut this shit it's just so mind-boggling that they would think that's an appropriate way to go about this in the first place especially yeah, absolutely like we have and, a state auditor we have a guy whose job it is is to go audit state agencies and he's and right. he's, yeah. <laughs> And you know, it's ridiculous, and they definitely, like, a portion, like, I, it, with how many budget woes and, like, oh, God, how much fucking bitching the Republican legislature does here in the United, or here in Oklahoma, um, it, for, like, them being able to add $2 million to the state budget this year to pay for this state agency audit, when, I mean, I think this is basically akin to, like, welfare drug testing, if that makes sense, where everybody has yeah. this sort of narrative that they're like, oh, all of these people are addicted, like, are mishandling the, you know, uh, m mishandling um, any type of food stamps, so they should be drug tested before getting food stamps, and there was an initiative that what happened in Florida, I think it was in my home state, um, where they actually did issue drug tests, and I think it returned, like, 6% of people actually failed their drug tests or whatever. I think it was, like, and, 6 and doing, people. I don't think it was 6%. Or 6 people? It wasn't even 6, yeah. maybe it was 6 people. But regardless, it ended up being a insanely massive waste of money, and that, like, from both sides of the aisle, that's kind of what they're thinking this is going to be, is that, like, it, it just, they basically, they're going to be like, oh, um, yeah, the only thing this audit is going to do is be like, oh, hey, um, yeah, our agencies are massively underfunded because you won't fucking fund them. Yeah. Like, hello, what else do we need to say? And because, like, they now have this, like, focus on cost-cutting or, like, requirement that they must submit these cost-cutting measures that sort of, like, frames the conversation in a way that can never be turned to, hey, we legitimately need more money. Well, it's also because tax cuts win elections. It's, like, it doesn't matter how underfunded your programs are, you will always get a large amount of votes if, like, that's why it's so hard to win as an incumbent in red states especially, because they continually cut taxes, and people will always be happy for any sort of tax cut, and so they're always making sure that each term they have one new tax cut to sell to people so that they keep getting reelected and can like stay in their seat, and it doesn't really matter how shitty Oklahoma agencies become, as long as they keep getting their seat and make some other tax cut, find some other way to give voters enough that they still come out and vote. And it's, it's, not, it's so much like not about the Oklahoma agencies that need this funding. It really is just about yeah. keeping themselves in their seat. Well, and, right. the and it's good to see from multiple members of the legislature too, though, that like they're trying to defend it as like, or well, they're trying to kind of demonize this sort of role as like an attempt by lawmakers to circumvent the legislature and agency directors who like control these types of spending decisions because they're like agency heads are supposed to be like, experts in their fields like yeah they're supposed to be specialists in the agency they had because that's why you put them at the top of the agency that's the whole idea <laughs> jesus um well, like, one, I, it, yeah. one of the things that i think is craziest about this oh where did that fucking quote go um um is that they're looking yeah okay so they're the proposal needs to be looking for identifying areas where the level of service exceeds what is necessary which, like, what does that mean, you know? Like, if they, if they audit, they're not going to audit education on this round, but they, they're looking for how to do it on oh, a later round. Okay. And it's like, what, what does it mean not. when education um, it, it exceeds what is necessary? Like, what, what does that mean? Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if we need these kids getting A's, all right? Let's, 
Let's keep yeah, it at need... sea level, folks. I nope. mean, <laughs> we, we already said that about five-day school weeks. I mean, yeah. kind of back four, you know? That's what you can do is be. But, yeah, I mean, even kids, so... Uh, kids don't really need to learn for high whole days. We can cut that back. That's unnecessary spending right there. Right, and, and a little bit more, uh, even even so, like, I mean, there there. I mean, there's been a little bit of fear-mongering that the commission could conceal findings that might not coincide with the views of those leaders, which give political cover to cut budgets or reduce services, but, I mean, I think that's something that the Republican legislatureship has been doing regardless anyway, and that will continue to do, because they obviously, especially with the outcome of the teacher strike, and with uh, the article I linked to all the other <laughs> yesterday, where they might just be rolling back teacher pay raises based upon some, like, bullshit... Uh, signature yeah. incentive. Gonna, it's, it's pull that back. Like it's like how does fucking I, I don't even understand how the government is meant to work anymore. Well like the thing like, I'm I, I'm afraid about with this like quote unquote concealing findings is that what's gonna happen is this commission, all these fucking old ass white guys that own homes in like Nichols Hills are gonna sit there and be like, Oh well the poors are clearly getting treated too nicely by the state of Oklahoma, so we need to cut this. And then all the legislative leaders are gonna be like, Look, this commission that's supposed to do this says says this. And then it's going to come up in the news. And the news is going to say, Oh look, the commission said this, blah 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 because a lot of our news is not what we do on this show where you just you know, say this is fucking bullshit. It's it's where people actually like report on stuff. And just say this is what's happening, and it just makes it sound even more legitimate. Whenever you're like, "Oh yeah, we hired out this auditing firm to go check on stuff," and look, oh, there's all, all this waste, and it's just gonna get lost, and they're gonna have this new backup to say, "Well, we should make life harder for the poor." Let's do that. And I mean, I, I feel you. And what's even just more frustrating is the lack of any type of like, I mean, obviously like honest political discord, but but like actual discussion regard like like just regarding these sort of ideological approaches that republicans take for this right they justify it through like a uh, they need a fresh look and a very private sector approach can be more productive than the traditional government on it and i'm trying to like figure out where this like narrative I mean, that's is like how in. disrupting in the tech world means getting rid of unions yeah <laughs> i mean that's which is fair but i mean in terms of like where this like narrative of government inefficiency and i mean granted you know i i understand like the jokes but in in terms of like government agencies being unable to do their job therefore we have to take things to the private sector like is that like where and why is that narrative so like fucking persuasive and pervasive within like the 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 right-wing discourse like is that like the only thing they can fall back on because they don't actually evaluate facts or what like because that's like they just have such a fed is it fetishization of the like businessman pulling yourself from your own bootstraps the industrialist uh, look at all the things that private capital can do that you can sell anything just based on being like well businesses always work better than the government I, I, so if I, we had businesses run everything then everything would be great and then like most people are still sold on that because it's there's so much anti-government like anti Big government, commie style, uh, left wing things like you know healthcare or just any public services. Yeah. Because people, I've been convinced to go so far right that they're just like, yeah, fuck it, privatize the roads. Let's all be hardcore like libertarians, just like the Somalians. I mean, I I think it's also though a thing that, and you see this with how they keep cutting funding for Amtrak at the federal level, or they make the fucking post office be able to pay its pension. 75 years or some insane shit in advance 
And so they undercut government services, and then they come back around and they tell people who aren't right-wing ideologues, and of course there's plenty of those in Oklahoma that do actually believe that the, the government doesn't work for no reason that's explainable. But they, they sell it to the people who, who don't necessarily have that much of an opinion and try to interact with government stuff. They're just like, look, government is shit. Ignore the fact that we make it shit every day with our decisions, but you know it's shit. You feel it's shit every time you drive around in Tulsa, you know? And then, and then they say, look, the problem is government, so we have to cut less spending. And then it keeps getting shittier, and they keep saying we have to keep cutting it because it's, oh, look at how shitty it is. It's also way harder to secure government funding than it is to have a private business come in the interest of a couple of different politicians and privatize some industry. Yeah. Literally three politicians. Like, the only people who are involved in appointing these fuckers who can now circumvent every single aspect of, like, uh, Oklahoma government agency is government... Uh, Mary Fallon, of fucking course. Uh, Speaker Charles McCall and Senate Pro Tempore Mike Schultz. And it's like... Like, everybody's looking at this and laughing at it. Like, how the fuck are you going to claim this is nonpartisan in the slightest? Like, yeah. not only because you have an audit that has a predetermined outcome, for yeah. one, do you understand the definition of the word audit? Number two, like, three of the most Republican cut spending, wasty, like, just figure spouty heads that we have picking, like, the board of directors of Unicorp or First Fidelity Bank or, like, oh, Bob Sullivan. Uh, you know, Sullivan and Company, oil and gas. Like, this is just fucking goddamn par for the course. Like, I, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I don't even see, like, the only, the only real use of this has to be, like, political clout, right? Yeah, like, that's because, all. It, I mean, the, the, I, the whole point is to cut budgets and tell agency heads, fuck off, you don't need more funding. Because they know that it's going to come up in the 2018 election that all the agency heads are like, well, we can't do our fucking job because you all don't pay us. And they're going to say, well, wait for the audit to find out that you all are spending too much money. And that's that's it. They're going to do that, and that's going to win more votes than they would just get anyways. And it's, it, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it, it's it's disgusting. Um, but let's, let's hear about another disgusting thing going on in Oklahoma politics. There's, there's, uh, there's one more, one more, one more thing I want to give. Yeah. And it's that it's the crazy amount of irony that's in just this statement that says Senate Leader Schultz added, there can never be too much oversight when it comes to deciding how taxpayer dollars are spent. <laughs> like, spend, just spend all the taxpayer dollars making sure the taxpayer dollars aren't getting wasted. That, that'll work. Um, so, Lassie, you were going right. to you were going to tell us about some some other insane Oklahoma politics stuff going on right now. Yeah, this is a. Uh... Little story about some dark money being <laughs> funneled through uh, Oklahoma Church. So, you know, there's a lot of corporate uh, scandal that we were talking about earlier, but looks like the Lord is also into some bribery and some nefarious activities. Uh, okay, well, we've got another story here um, showing uh, that Dan Fisher, gubernatorial candidate, uh, had some money funneled to him from Yukon Ministry, his own church. Uh, according to public fi filings with the FCC, the group Citizens for Free States has spent more than $24,000 and taken out more than 200 television and radio ads, endorsing Fisher and promising the cause of state sovereignty and abolishing abortions to uh, Fisher's primary campaign platforms. Um, additionally, another independent expenditure group 
a super PAC named Oklahoma Values has sprung up, backing Republican, the Republican candidate and a former Oklahoma City mayor, Mike Cornkit. Um, the and Citizens for Free States group. <laughs> oh, well, reading Jesus. is very hard. <laughs> I just I just opened one of the ads that's linked in this article, and it literally starts off, 15 to 20 babies legally murdered every day. <laughs> Jesus! Thank you, Randy Brogdon. Okay, we're, we're going to get into that. Lay the groundwork, Lassie. Tell us what's up. Yeah, so Citizens for Free States is what is commonly referred to as a dark money group. Um, unlike Super PACs, dark money groups do not publicly report to their donors. Though super PACs and dark money organizations often work in concert to conceal donors. Under the 2010 U.S. Supreme Court ruling Citizens United, super PACs and dark money groups can receive unlimited donations and spend unlimited amounts of money in elections. So basically what uh, old Dan Fisher's been doing is funneling his own uh, donations through his church to conceal the uh, source of them. Um, which, you know, seems pretty par for the course for Oklahoma politicians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, I think some of the, the craziest stuff is just what these groups believe and then how they're doing this illegal shit, right? Cause like, yeah, this like citizens for free states group apparently thinks that like the civil war didn't happen and that states aren't subordinate to federal law. Oh, are we we back to where, where's Clevin Bundy? Is he running? <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> good old, good old no, Clevin. Hey, what's up? No, can we can we can we have can we have him, Clevin? Clevin? Can we have can we have our own Oklahoma version? Is that who Fisher is? It's apparently who Fisher is. Yeah. So Jeez, I, I'll join the militia right now. I'll let you all know what happens. I'll be back in just a bit. Well, also just like the, I mean, obviously crossing a whole lot of lines between separation of church and state, but. Yeah, the fact that you've got this ministry that is using audio recordings of sermons to endorse candidates and tell them who to vote for, which I think happens at a number of churches. Um, there's not really any controlling that. There's but no separation that of church and state. There's only separation of state and federal, okay? That's yeah. what they believe. <laughs> uh, the real value is separation between business and government. Yeah. you got to keep... The government out of businesses' pockets, but business in the government's pockets. <laughs> um, you got to no, keep the, the poor <laughs> out of the rich. <laughs> one of the things said during one of the sermons was, I think if Dan doesn't win, prepare for God's judgment. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was when one of their video sermons posted to Liberty Church's website, as well as preached in front of the service. So, you know, it's a good Do way to... What they I have an illustration elected. of him wearing like, is that a British red coat? No, with a musket. It's the opposite. It's a it's a blue. Oh, coat. No, so they... he's he's apparently part of this group called like the Bringing Back Black Robes Regiment or some shit, um, or Black Robe <laughs> Regiment. That's like was like during the revolution. It was priests that were pro revolution, right? And so he's like that, except instead of fighting against the tyrannical British government, he's fighting against. Abortion. So it's just a he's a tea party guy who's also a minister. I okay. I mean, you know, some people have two jobs these days. It's the economy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He to me, he sounds like 
the crazy Christian vermin supreme. And that's kind of what he looks like with his <laughs> like his khaki with his these khaki jackets. I mean, I'm also impartial against fucking khaki like like khaki blazers. Fuck y'all. Oh, uh, yes, they've been doing a whole. That, that is what God is judging. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they've been investigating this church for a while. Allegedly, they have had uh, people watching their finances since 2008. So. They don't really know the extent that Fisher and his church have been dealing with all this money, but suffice it to say, it seems very suspect. So a lot of, I guess what we can say is we know that the 24000 was uh, uh, illegally filed through his donation campaign, but there's a, a whole lot more that we can only say is allegedly filed. Yeah. And this is all so, for, and I mean, this like dark combination of church and state is is so scary because Dan Fisher is the guy who said that like we should take up arms to overthrow the state government to end abortion. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, this is the logical conclusion point of trying to not or trying to dissolve the, the separating lines between these things is that oh, you get people campaigning in your church sermons and you get churches having a mouthpiece to politicians. Yeah. And you also get people who can donate money that's uh, tax refundable. Um, yeah. Which is supposed to be a thing that's not like that. Whereas, what should be happening is lawyers should be going to these churches, hearing this kind of shit, and suing the fuck out of these companies. These churches. Um, Other companies. Yeah, they, they yeah, actually yeah, are limited liability companies in some cases. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Citizens for Free States LLC is their the little shell company that they set up to move their money through. Um, I think I think one of the really funny things is that this guy uh, is closely tied to um, <laughs> Ralph Shorty. Uh, do do y'all remember OG Ralph Shorty? <laughs> oh, I remember Ralph Shorty. Uh-huh. And it's like, this guy is up here talking about how, like, if we don't end abortion in the state, God's wrath is going to come down on us and shit. And then it's like, okay, what about the dude who's, like, hi- hiring underage prostitutes? Um, what about that guy? Huh? <laughs> yeah, no, you don't need to worry. What you need to be worried about is that we keep making those tax cuts. That's what God wants. It's the real That's, thing. <laughs> God is all about fiscal conservatism. <laughs> That's uh, okay. Let's all be honest. That's why Jesus uh, didn't like the Romans because uh, they had to go back and pay the tax. <laughs> they had all those infrastructure projects that they didn't privatize. <laughs> That's why he had a limit on you know I I'm making some fish and fucking wine, but you get two pieces of fish, you stingy bitch. Number one, <laughs> that's quote. That's quote from the New Testament. Okay, that's. <laughs> I believe that's in the Beatitudes. Um, <laughs> the meek shall inherit the earth, assuming that they pass a piss test and are working at a minimum of twenty nine hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> Maximum. We don't pay them Obamacare. <laughs> that's 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 also in, in the Bible. I did just see the Book of Mormon. It's great. There see it, has y'all. to be a conservative meme somewhere of like Ayn Rand and God shaking hands or something like that. Oh, Jesus God. and Ayn Rand both hanging out together. I'm gonna I'm gonna find that for the episode photo. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but I, I guess I think that's all we got to say on, on this insanity. We're gonna we're gonna link to that um that story we we used for that by the Frontier. We'll also link to the other one from Oklahoma Watch. You gotta you gotta read the cool um cool good stuff coming out of uh, other Oklahoma news. That's always good. Um, yeah, this Continental great. Army uniform he's wearing. I'm sorry, I can't get the fuck <laughs> over this shit. It's like you know group, he groups promises... of Revolutionary War era pastors in colonial America who spoke from the pulpit, encouraging their parishioners to join the revolution against British rule. Now we're joining the revolution. These motherfuckers are cosplaying these guys yeah, that's how you in order to cosplay. <laughs> Holy shit! Conservatives are just shitty cosplayers, actually. Dude, like, um, no, like, I, they, they jerk off so hard to the American Revolutionary War that they're fucking cosplaying it now. This is I insane. will not be satisfied until the Republican Party elects a furry for governor. <laughs> no, they gotta start, they gotta start LARPing, okay? They're not real. Oh, that's insane. I, I expect them to use muskets to throw over the Oklahoma government. They probably could. Okay, wait, I want to say something about this fucking outfit, though. He doesn't have the wig on. So I'm really unimpressed by his commitment to the role. Um, right, right. So he probably and... doesn't give a shit about any of the things he claims to give a shit about. I think that's important to note. Hey, Dan Fisher, you're called out. I see those He's buttons. He's also cosplaying as someone who wants to help the American people. But I also, like, <laughs> want to go to, like, one of... I want to go to one of these, like, fucking congregational, like, just happenings where one like they i think they each get up and then they talk about how like it's like sitting on a hill shit you know what i'm saying yeah. where they're doing these these fire and brimstone america good god we are the chosen ones from god speeches i i well, think because yeah, like I'm gonna, i think it'd be phenomenal i think um, a lot of american christians are like more worship america than they do anything about christianity they've kind of like spliced themselves together into some amorphous blob of Amera Jesus. Goddamn Southern Baptist. Holy fuck. <sighs> Man, Absolutely. you know what? Amera Jesus, Amera Jesus, Republican Jesus, whatever you want to call him, I have to say. He rides a raptor with like an AK 47. <laughs> Instead of an AK 47? That seems, no, that seems too infidelian for Jesus. Uh, 100% in one of those speeches at like Liberty Church or whatever the fuck it's called. They did, in fact, say something about, like, the planet being 6,000 years old and how that might be likely because, like, the guy heard that the pyramids were used to store grain from Ben Carson and he was like, that sounds biblical. Hmm. <laughs> okay, but enough riffing on churches. If you go to church, that's fine. Just don't go to these shit churches, everybody, unless you're doing it for fun. Um, we we um, have a, a, um, an interesting... We'll put, we'll put it that way. An interesting conservative reading list this week. Uh, we we decided to go a bit northeast up I forty four and and go into the Tulsa world this time instead of being at our friends. Oh damn it! We should have done the Oklahoman because I can say you can mail shit to the Oklahoman now. Is that <laughs> do, it, do it. Do it. Nah, we can be flip floppers here. In you know, okay. no, the show has a strong party line. <laughs> Um, yes, I. I also just to let the just to let the the the, the listenership know. Um, I did just Google what gun would Jesus carry? Top top ten picks of Bible scholars, and we will be linking it as my pick of the week. <laughs> Good to you. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm excited to read that, actually. That sounds very interesting. Um, but yeah. I mean, Desert Eagle, obviously, right? <laughs> well, it's gotta oh, be, yeah. it's gotta be a Desert Eagle or an Uzi. Um, uh, uh, Colt Pacemaker? Uh, Colt Pacemaker? Excuse me. Not Pacemaker. It would stop your Pacemaker. Colt Pacemaker. Colt pacemaker. <laughs> the only thing keeping John McCain alive. <laughs> is his... Is his is that, that Colt pacemaker, pacemaker for his brain tumor. <laughs> uh, I'm not a doctor. Don't point, give me right? this. Um, okay. On to the actual thing. It's uh, it's an editorial by the by the Tulsa World's editorial board, and it's called "An Amazon Distribution Center for Tulsa Would Be a Big Deal." Um, and before we start reading it, I would like to say yes, uh, not in the way they yeah. think, though. I don't think that we would disagree. It would be a big deal. A lot of things would change. Yeah, it would. It would totally be different than what they think. So let's get into it. Um, it's exciting to learn that the city is working to bring a distribution center for internet giant Amazon to Tulsa. And it's not exciting, it's terrifying. Um, very terrifying. <clears throat> no deal has been announced, but tantalizing details of the proposed project have leaked out, including that preliminary architectural work has started on an 82-acre parcel on the southwest corner of 43rd Street North and 126th East Avenue. Other sites are also Ooh, reported. Everybody, the there's like an 82-acre parcel. We're excited. <laughs> we, it's being started to be developed. It could be Amazon. <laughs> I mean, I we think the, the the telling thing is that it, it, it's pretty far north and it's pretty far east. And who do you think they're going to try to get to work in that, if you know Tulsa geography? Hmm. I don't know Tulsa geography. Help me. Um, they're going to aim at getting marginalized and excluded people, especially people of color, to work there because uh, it's okay, poor part is, of town. I mean, it's, I mean, it's like the you know, the emptied out industrial part that's in disrepair. They're going to come there and say, "Hey, look, all these factories have closed. We can shut up, set up shop here, and you know, we won't pay you that much, but it's a job. And what else are you going to do?" Yeah, you don't have anywhere else to go. And they're going to pull people from East Tulsa and North Tulsa to work literally jobs that kill people. Because people have died working in Amazon warehouses. That's real life. <laughs> um, and so they, they continue. No one has said what process is being used to determine if the site will be built in Tulsa or how many jobs it might bring if it is built. The Oklahoman recently reported that Oklahoma City was discussing a multi-story fulfillment center warehouse near that city's Will Rogers World Airport. That facility, if constructed, would represent a $100 million investment and produce more than 2,000 jobs, according to sources who spoke with the Oklahoman. Um, important question, what are those 2,000 jobs like? You know, I, I, I genuinely want to know what Amazon is thinking about doing here. Um, or rather, how many jobs go away because of those 2,000 jobs. Yeah. Um, and what kind of tax breaks is Amazon getting to, to make people work in a context where regularly workers pee in bottles so that they meet their time schedule because they can't go to the bathroom and get fired if they do go to the bathroom, you know? Or, or, or where people die of heat stroke, or where if you try to join a union, or start a union, you get fired immediately, you know? What, what's that going to mean? What, what kind of business is, is this going to bring to Oklahoma if, 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 if it's clear that we're a place where just poor people can be deeply exploited? Um, but let, let's keep going. This one's pretty short, so we'll get to some more meat in a little bit. Um, it's not clear if the Tulsa project is competing with the Oklahoma City plan or if Amazon is looking at similar facilities in both cities. 
It goes without saying, but we'll say it anyway. An Amazon distribution, distribution center would be great for Tulsa. It would bring new jobs, new energy, and new economic activity, all of which we need. What, what is this? Fucking, once again, a fresh perspective. New energy. What the fuck kind of shit is, like, just discourse? It just well, it's always it makes... framed like Amazon is, like, some benevolent savior coming to you I with mean, uh, jobs uh, and corporate employment. Corporate overlords always are. That's why we give... That's why Reaganomics works, okay? Yeah, Let's no. chill. Secondly... But it's like, yeah, you've got cities literally fighting over the last few, like companies that still grow anymore because we're in such a late capitalist hell that there's like only nine companies that are growing and building and so you have these massive job centers (laughs) i mean there's like yeah there's there's so few choices anymore there's so few industries left i should say that uh, it's like Walmart, Chick Fil A, Hobby Lobby. What else? We're, t- we're going, yeah, we're going Christian here. <laughs> are they all under the same? Are they under the same umbrella of Jesus? Did Jesus own one of the nine companies? I don't know. I would say so. He probably he owns owned, fucking uh, New Liberty Church LLC. Yeah, I mean, you've got the like Amazon's the la- one of the last major industries left in America, and so you have cities willing to give up whatever they can just because they're like all right well yeah i mean it's like fighting over where the railroad's going to go back in the 1800s it's like where are these amazon centers going to go because once they phase out every other industry that they're related to they're going like cities know that they're going to need these amazon centers otherwise their cities will start to die because they're losing major opportunities with retailers and shippers and all sorts of major related industries yeah when it's also it's it's one of those things. That's what half of what capitalism wants is for the cities to die. <laughs> yeah, but but this well, is with the, with the HQ two stuff. You've got cities offering them billions in tax breaks, and they're like, "It'll be so good for our city's economy." It's like, no, not if you. It will be good if you tax the shit out of them. Yeah. Not if you <laughs> if give you them, them so much, give them license to raise the whole neighborhood and build their own whatever bizarre tech world that they're trying to. Create. And it, it also, it's one of those things, and how they frame it, it's like, oh, it's bringing new jobs, new economic activity, oh my god, we need this stuff. And it's like, we should talk about the content, you know? What 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 yeah. does this stuff look like? It's never enough to have new jobs. Like, no one would be happy with some, like, sub-Saharan African, like, uh, rare earth metal mine where people's fingers are falling off because of how poisonous it is or something opening up in Oklahoma because they'd be like, this is shitty and we don't want our children's finger to fall, fingers to fall some, off. Some people would be happy about that. Yeah, some people. <laughs> Dan Fisher would be happy about that. Um, um, but it's like that that has to be part of the conversation. And this is, this is a serious failing on the part of the Tulsa world to just be like, it would just be good. When we all... You just look at anything coming out of any of Amazon's warehouses and you're like, those are some of the most brutal 19th century fucking working conditions in the world. Motion trackers that like watch your body to make sure that you don't make any wrong movements when package sorting. That is in, in certain ways worse than the conditions of the, you know, sweatshops of the 1800s. It is, well, because it's those conditions plus this new form of technological overwatch, you know? It's like the Panopticon now is is literally part of your body or something. 
Um, it's it's just terrifying. It's so terrible. Um, but let's let's finish out the article. Um, we think other companies, including Macy's, which built a fulfillment center on 72 acres east of US 75 on 76th Street North in 2015, and Quick Trip, which recently opened a distribution center about two miles from the 43rd Street North site, would tell Am- would tell Amazon that Tulsa, the Tulsa area, is a good buy. We have hard workers, a good business climate, and a good central location. What the fuck is a good business climate other than fucking over the people of Tulsa in order to get a company to come fuck workers over here? You know? And why the fuck would Amazon ask Macy's shit? Okay? Like, no, no offense. Like, okay, thank God, firstly, that Jesus does not own Quick Trip. Okay? I know that <laughs> is true. But Jesus probably owns Macy's. It's, it, it is Umbrella Company of nine companies, and that we're going to keep this, and, and it's canon of the podcast now. There is nine, <laughs> but nine businesses in America, and yeah, Jesus right. owns one, and definitely Macy's is under that umbrella. But thank God Trip is not, and I, I don't know, would, would Quick, Quick Trip talk shit on Tulsa? To, like, wait, what, what sort of dialogue goes on between Quick Trip and Amazon in this hypothetical scenario? I feel like Quick <laughs> yeah, Trip is I just like, like, do you want some breakfast pizza? Also, it turns out if you're... A- Pay your employees while you have a good business. <laughs> I like the idea of like some tech bros at Amazon talking to the people at Macy's to be like, "What's our business plan?" <laughs> it's like, "All right, Blockbuster, where are we going now?" Y'all still in the department store game? Oh fuck yeah! You you got you got pl- fucking you got pl- decades planned. How are we yeah. doing this? Yeah, y'all got legs. <laughs> Uh, it's not like Amazon is literally strangling places like Macy's to death. Um, yeah. I mean, this is, like, so clearly just, like, a Chamber of Commerce robot that puts out these types of op-eds that are just, like, Amazon good. And, yeah, yeah I mean, there's there's no content. They don't talk about anything more than, like, oh, this would be 2,000 jobs and a $100 million investment. And it's like, all right, well, it's not really an investment they're building. A hundred million dollar building for themselves, and like that money is not going to go back into the city. Those workers aren't going to make enough money to like boost the vital economic contributors. Yeah, they're all going to work twenty nine hours a week, be constantly ill all the time because they don't have any health care, and they're going to make like eighteen thousand dollars a year. Oh wow, that'll help Tulsa. We need more of that. Um, yeah, and well, that's one thing they never say is they're just like we're bringing in these jobs um, that will probably replace a bunch of union jobs in the existing factory factories and post office and like airport and all the other shipping industries around that northeast part of Tulsa. Yeah, um, and that's all. I mean, that's also part of why we need good unions to drive up prices so that people won't go work at Amazon. You know, that's yeah. an important part of that. Um, well, I mean, that's part of the technocracy, though, is they can say your job is easily replaceable by machines, so dissolve your union, work for minimum, and we won't build a robot that can do your job. Yeah, instead of saying, oh, we built a robot that can do your job, now you can just, like, do whatever you want with your free time. Um, yeah, but- of course not. Why, uh, why would the good thing with <laughs> technology happen? Yeah, why, why would <laughs> anything good ever happen? Um... Uh, Just to finish it out, um, we hope the city, state, and business leaders are working hard to close what promises to be an important project with a growing company. You know what, (laughs) Tulsa World Editorial Board? I like the Tulsa World a lot better than the Oklahoman, but you guys are making it hard. You're making it hard for me. 
I will at you. We're thinking about pooping in a bag. Thinking, thinking about it. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get nice and drunk sometime soon and get that shipped across the Atlantic so it brews up nice. Oh god. In oh, I might cut that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Yes. So. So yeah, you just just end it here when you when you're cutting it. Just oh, I guess we have to talk about yeah. social schools. Um, God damn it! Yeah, so when Adam's not here, he can't rein us. <laughs> he can't. He can't rein us in. So I'm 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 still reading through this one gun with Jesus carry article, and it ends. I'm not. I'm not gonna ruin it for you. Never mind. No, I want to read that. Am I? Um, but okay. There is a poll. There's a poll at the end, <laughs> and it's <laughs> the results are really great. Okay. Well. I'll clear out the show. I'll just read the event and then do the concluding stuff. Okay, guys? Um, yeah, Carl, socialist uh, news events for the week. Yeah, so we've got on Friday, May 18th, the New Sanctuary Network of Tulsa is having its weekly protest against deportation at the David L. Moss Correctional Facility from 12 to 1220. We say this every week. Go do it. Also, Green Country DSA, answer my DMs, bros. Where, where, where you guys been? Um, but that's all we have for this week. Uh, we have some new stuff coming up next week, though. Um, Black Lives Matter and OKC has some stuff they want everybody to know about, so make sure to tune in next week for some cool events. Um, as always, you can find us on Twitter at RedStarOverOK. You can come tell us we're stupid, that my jokes are dumb. Uh, I will ban you from the show forever if you do this, but you can do that either on Twitter or on our subreddit, r slash RedStarOverOklahoma. You can. Yeah, you're always welcome to criticize us, but just I, know you will be blocked permanently from ever hearing us again at the single hint of criticism. Any, any, yeah, yeah. Except you are allowed to contribute to the canon of the show. That is, we need to figure out what other A businesses we've got. Out of them. So, <laughs> please contribute on the subreddit. Yes. And any suggestions for what kind of gun Jesus would carry? That's the most important one. Tweet those at us. Um, As always, guys, you can follow us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Both of those were Red Star over Oklahoma. You can mail us questions and comments, but if you mail us concerns, like we said, you are forever banned. Uh, And you can do that at redstaroveroak at gmail.com. Most importantly, everybody, tell your friends about us and rate and review us on iTunes because I really, when football season picks up, I want us to have a shit ton of ratings so some chuds looking for football podcasts come across us and listen to it and get mad. So go do that. Uh, and, you know, talk, see you all next week. Bye. Okay.